We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Welcome to a new episode of Sox Machine Live. This is a special edition of the episode as uh, we are joined by a very funny comedian who also happens to be a diehard Chicago White Sox fan. He's also been hosting the podcast Never Not Funny longer than Jim and I have been podcasting about the Chicago White Sox. You've seen him on many shows, including the Conan O'Brien show, and you can watch him live in person at Zany's in Rosemont on Thursday, September 14th. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sox Machine Live for the very first time. It's Jimmy Pardo. Jimmy, welcome Hello, to the show. Jo- Thank you, Josh and Jim. It's a, uh, I, I'm honored to be here, sincerely. I think uh, I, I'm a fan of you guys. I'm a fan of, uh, I, I, honest to God, I really am. I love I love what you guys tweet about, and, and you just seem like, we don't know each other, you just seem like decent men, and I mean that in a in the way that I said it, I guess. All right. They, I, I, I appreciate it, especially what has been happening the last nine days, Jim. <laughs> yeah. And like for people who don't know, Jimmy's been podcasting since what, 2006? 2006. We, uh, at one point, my partner, Matt Belknap and I were the number one podcast in the world. And uh, we are not anywhere near that anymore because uh, Joe Rogan decided to step on <laughs> us with his big, weird conspiracy theory foot. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we've been doing it a long time and I'm very, very grateful that uh, Matt came to me and said, let's start a podcast and, uh, and here we are. So and not only podcasting, but podcasting for a paying audience, which everybody is doing now that you were doing it first. People thought like, well, you're kind of crazy to do that. Nobody's doing it. Now everybody's doing it. So on uh, more than one front, you are a pioneer in this field. I, well, A, I thank you for using the word pioneer. B, uh, you're not wrong. When we went in 2008, when we switched to a pay model, we were literally, you know, you're, you're done. You guys, nobody's <laughs> going to want to do that. Nobody's going to follow you to you. Good luck with that. And you know what? Not, of course, not everybody did, but mm-hmm. a heck of a lot did. And thank God they did because you know, it's been, you know, I've been able to make a living and uh, doing podcasting again before other people were. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful. And uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> did did, did uh, Barack Obama ever say like, "Hey, thanks for showing us how to podcast here"? Uh, no, he was too busy talking to Mark Maron over at his garage, so I didn't have the uh, the opportunity to talk to Barack Obama 
Uh, but I did, there was a time where Conan O'Brien on a regular basis would make fun. You know, when I, I worked for Conan for about 10 years and, um, uh, every day he would, he would grab, you know, he's a giant. He's a, literally a foot taller than me because I'm a short man, but he would grab me by the shoulders and he'd go, Hey buddy, how's fake radio going? You still doing fake radio? <laughs> and, uh, he now has the second biggest podcast in the world yeah. <laughs> after he made fun of mine for seven years. So, uh, any apologies yeah. or no? Say it again, Jim. Any, any apologies, or is he just pretending that he thought of it? No, I, I'm, I'm thinking it's B. I'm thinking he thinks he invented <laughs> podcasting. Um, there was a, an article came out. It's got to be right when Conan started. That basically did say Conan O'Brien has invented podcasting, and we and we were all at our studio the day that the article was like, oh, oh, did he? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of folks that might have something to say about that, but. Uh, I, I was very grateful to work for him for as long as I did. He's a good friend, but uh, no, there's Marin will at least acknowledge that I was around before him. Conan, uh, again, uh, a good friend, but I think he thinks he started this. Well, we you're did. doing fake radio. He's doing podcasting. It's you know different. what? Yeah, right. that's different. Yeah. That's fair. That's, that's different. <laughs> very fair. Uh, uh, as far as timely comments in the YouTube section, and for those that are watching the live stream, thank you so much. Uh, we got this wonderful comment that I started right away, and <laughs> it's a comment that says, I feel bad for Jimmy Pardo. I hate to be the comedian to follow up Chris Getz, funniest set I've heard in years. And uh, this is this is timely that you joined us, Jimmy, because, again, you're a diehard White Sox fan. Yes. I would love to get your thoughts on what has transpired in the last nine days, because Jim and I have been joking, man, what a year it's been the past week and it just continues to add on uh with each passing day it is now i've not seen I, sadly i was not able to see this chris guest chris gets not christopher guest that's a brilliant uh, <laughs> filmmaker um i have not been able to see it but i'm glad that they could find some utility guy to run the team um <laughs> the uh and thank christ they went internal and didn't think outside the box at all really smart <laughs> smart thinking on the team's part um it's, I mean, look, we still don't know. I mean, the shooting thing is still like the craziest thing in the world. Like the woman now is what she's denying that she snuck a gun is, and there's some, maybe some police activity involvement. Like the whole thing is the ATF. I think it goes all the way to the top, Jim. <laughs> From the owner's suite. Uh... <laughs> I'm tired of these White Sox fans. Bam, bam. <laughs> Am I wrong? Is, there, is there an updated story on uh, article on that? Or is there new news on that? Or is it still the woman snuck it in? And I don't want to even describe how they say she snuck it in. It seems unfair to anybody to have to hear the See, word. That's that's what we brought up in the last show. It's like a backhanded fat shaming is it, the way right? that they're reporting it. Uh, yeah, the it's latest stalled out. it's yeah. stalled out there with like the police not confirming, but not denying, pushing back a little bit, saying like, that's not coming from us. So we'll let you know when we have something. Oh. The ATF apparently is getting involved. Yeah. Uh, but Jerry Reinsdorf opened up his, uh, his rare media session that did not actually take questions for anybody, but he, he introduced uh, gets. And he said that he still maintains that the shots came from outside the stadium. So he is uh, not uh, abiding by that. Uh, the lawyer for one of the victims has said that the uh, that she did not bring a gun in. And it's got to be very weird if you didn't bring, if you're a White Sox fan just going to a game and all of a sudden you're accused of bringing a gun into the stadium and you're just happen to be like, they're thinking you're going to have a nice night at the bleachers watching vanilla ice afterwards. And now you have to say like, I did not bring, I'm not the first person 
person in White Sox history to bring a gun into guaranteed right field. That's going to be very bizarre. So I don't want to go all the way into that theory just because if it happens to be truly baseless, like you got to feel terrible for anybody accused of bringing a gun to the stadium that did not because well, God forbid what it, you know, what it happens if it were you to be, it's accused certainly that, so. not at the same level as Richard Jewell, but it rings, you know, Richard Jewell mm. comes to mind and with the Atlanta bombings, again, I am not comparing the two, but, the, but that poor woman, if she didn't do that, then that's insanity. Like real. So she's going to be why, you know, it's Bart, it's the Bartman ball. This poor woman is now for the rest of her, like, Oh, that's the woman that brought, I snuck a gun in and accidentally shot her friend in the leg or whatever. You know, it is. So I, I'm with you. It's, it seems weird that to throw that on the woman if that's not what she did. But again, I, I don't know. I'm a dumb comedian in Los Angeles. What do I know? <laughs> uh, again, it, it's been it's been a wild nine days. It, yeah. it, it just continues to grow, Jim, even like after today's press conference with Chris Getz. Uh, during the press conference, the Jerry Reitzorf actually spoke, Jimmy. And what does he sound like? Yeah, it was fascinating. He sounds like he's actually 87 years old. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And he brought up, like, he brought up Branch Rickey a couple of times and trying to find his Branch Rickey. And he decided to promote Chris Getz because the people that he had on his list of external candidates, he didn't bother interviewing them because, quote, I already know them. (laughs) So... The White Sox didn't bother interviewing anyone outside the organization. They maybe Jerry Wrights are probably didn't even even in interview Chris Getz for this role and just promote him. So there you go. You're caught up. That was the, the White okay. Sox press conference. That's uh, that's how this team is being ran in the near near future. And, and so, but to that that Facebook comment, uh, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, what what did Chris Getz do? That was was did he just say the usual rhetoric that we hear about this team? He's the focus on fundamentals and all the nonsense or like what, what, what was so, I guess, disappointing or ridiculous about it. He was in the awkward position of having, you know, he came in with an opening statement saying that, you know, even though he's internal hire, he's going to be different. Things are going to be done differently, but because he doesn't want to smear the people who hired him, he couldn't actually say what that was. And so somebody, uh, I think it was John Greenberg of The Athletic, asked him, like, given that you're the third in command of this very disappointing enterprise, why do you think you deserve this job? And he could not actually answer that question. Mm. Uh, He said at one point, Pedro Grafal has been wearing many different hats. Somebody asked him what what he meant by that. And then he paused for like five seconds, the only silence he really had all day. And either he realized he used the wrong phrase or he hoped that somebody wouldn't follow up on that question because he could not actually (laughs) identify the multiple jobs he was doing, which is what wearing many hats means. Right. He just basically said many times, like he's a first year manager, which is one hat for the, for the count one hat. But but maybe let's be fair to Chris Getz, who again was a terrific third baseman. Um, (laughs) He um, second baseman. Uh, did he play third base for a little bit? Maybe. No, I'm, think, uh, I'm no, thinking Mark of Joe Creedy or Mark Tian. Uh, no, no, no I, I'm definitely thinking of Joe Creedy. My okay. apologies. <laughs> I thought you were thinking about White Sox who went to the Royals and then did nothing there. Right. Uh, <laughs> is it possible he he knows something that we don't in that he was wearing three hats in that he had to work around Han and Williams while wearing that first year managerial hat? Is that possible, or am I giving him? Hmm. Am I giving everybody way too much credit? It's possible that you're maybe representing something closer to the truth while giving nobody credit. 
<laughs> you could okay. be representing a different kind of messed up situation that uh, you know you're actually right, but still very very wrong. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm that's that that's my life. I appreciate you deciding <laughs> what I do, <laughs> how I get by every single day. So, so Jimmy, to touch on your White Sox fandom, I'm not saying that you're old, but yeah. what was it like being a White Sox fan before Jerry Reinsdorf owned the team? Um, well, first of all, the, the age thing is hurtful as I see the gray in <laughs> Jim's beard. I don't know if that's fair to attack I me. I got gray too. Yeah, we all do. We're, we're old. The White Sox have aged us all. Uh, that, that's true. We, we, we look like Barack Obama after his first term. Um, it, um, uh, the, uh, you know, I was, I was a kid during the Bill Vec years. So, you know, being a fan of that era was, you know, showers, you know, in the outfield and Harry Carey being shirtless and Jimmy Pearsall yelling about disco demo, you know, that was the fun that I had as a kid, you know, and going to the old Comiskey and, you know, listen, I, I, I try to explain to people and like my dad on a Sunday, my dad would go, should we go to the game? And we'd go to the game and my dad parked next to the stadium. Like, literally would pull up on the side street and park and we'd walk up and go to a game. Like that's how little people were there. Like we were able to park or that how few people were there. Um, and it was always, you know, we, 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 you had your own section basically. It just was, it was fun. And you know, you, I think the three of us may have tweeted about this uh, with, or at least I tweeted and you guys read it and then ignored me. One of the it's very possible. <laughs> um, th- those teams weren't great, but they were fun to watch. You know, the, the, the late 70s, the mid to the late 70s, Eric Soderholm and Chet Lemon and Oscar Gamble and uh, Wayne Nordhagen and uh, Francisco Barrios. Like these guys, those teams weren't, they weren't good. I thought I was a little boy. So I was like, it's, they're major league baseball players. They're, this is amazing. But, you know, uh, they were fun to watch. Uh, whereas what we're go- currently going through the last three years, you know, the first year with LaRusso was still a, a little bit fun, but the last two certainly have been a disaster. So it, I guess, Josh, long-windedly, and you asked me to be a guest, so you knew that was going to happen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, uh, it was more fun. It was fun. It, look, that, that last year of Renteria was also fun. You know, let the kids play. That whole era was also fun. And uh, God forbid we keep that energy on the team. Let's bring back the, the geezer. <laughs> but uh, uh, who was, by the way, Tony LaRusso in 83 was the best manager in baseball. I mean, so it's like, and he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, so I'm not putting him down completely, but uh, I guess more fun would be my answer. It was a lot of it was a lot of fun back in the '70s and uh, early '80s. Well, it was funny when we were shooting messages back and forth before recording this. He said, "Well, I don't know how much knowledge I'll have to bring to this." And what's amazing about this current White Sox team is there's no debate, like among old school fans, new school fans, analytically inclined people there for fun. Everybody's miserable, like uniquely, or I would say, like uniformly miserable like maybe a couple of years ago we'd say like Yoan Makata is he good or bad he always good at defense his he strikes out too much he could argue back and forth really it's just like Luis Roberts and even like Dylan Cease is now turned mediocre so like there's nobody to even argue over it's like you know it's uh stud and duds uh uh star and scrubs there's no yeah it's a fantasy baseball team yeah. So like, that's, what's kind of fun about like, you know, bringing out this point is just like, no matter how much, you know, if you watch like one five game sample of this team, whether it's five games in a row or five games randomly scattered, you're going to see pretty much what everybody has been seeing, which is a bad baseball team that needed a leadership overhaul, like a lobotomy. And we only got one, maybe half of those. And right. so that's where we are. 
let me ask you guys a question. And this is a little bit on topic, Jim, and a little bit off. And, and, and I apologize for derailing it with this question. No, go when it, it comes to Lucas Giolito, uh, it's, it's two parts. And you guys, again, you, you're more knowledgeable about the, about the game than I am. Uh, again, I talk about my genitals for a living, so I don't know what I'm saying. Um, look, a question, a, would you have kept and extended Lucas Giolito and traded Dylan cease? That's question a, and maybe you guys talked about this in a previous show and I apologize uh, for not knowing that B when the waiver thing went down and the angels just released Lucas Giolito, do you, you, you certainly would have, the white Sox could have picked him up before any other team. Do you pick him back up for next to nothing and then extend him? Cause you know, he's actually a decent pitcher. Uh, your thoughts as the pros. Hmm. Okay. Well with cease, we were on board or on board enough with trading him at the deadline. What, what the white Sox got for Giolito. Don't mind that trade. Like that was a, they got, uh, I think more than fair value for him, especially with the way uh, what Giolito provided for right. the angels. Uh, so like, yeah, that kind of looks like a mistake on the Angels' part. The White Sox were good to take advantage of just how hungry they were for that. So that's fine, but we are definitely kind of crossing our fingers for a cease trade that would have been exciting. Certainly not trading him for nothing, but uh, the walks were high enough to where, like, this guy might have a hard time threading that needle to be excellent for, you know, the kind of Cy Young season he produced. Like, did that once, but doing that over and over again with as many guys as he walks, kind of tough to do so like mm. we're kind of on board for trading him as for g Lito bringing him back i think now they're at the part where just lose as many games as he can because uh that improves their chances right. of getting the first overall pick for the draft but for agency comes around given that g Lito might have dinged his stock a little bit with how he's pitched the last couple months maybe worth reopening those discussions and saying like hey what's your price now right okay it, it'd be very white Sox this season because again it's a draft lottery and if we're in Nashville, Jim, on that last day of the winter meetings and the White mm -hmm. Sox are the first team picked at pick 15, be like, we went through all of this crap <laughs> and they lose the lottery. <laughs> like, they, they, Instead of having like the third overall pick, now they got the 15th overall pick and they're still stuck being mediocre. Yeah. Like, that would be the White like, Sox luck. It, we talked on the uh, live show about the Chris Getz conference saying that there would be one set of blood-curdling screams when they traded for Sal Perez. The second would be <laughs> when they end up announced first in the draft lottery after losing 104 games or whatever it is. So one of the things that I really enjoy in your guys's podcast uh one well there's two things one it sounds like i'm eavesdropping on a conversation of three or four people eating breakfast at denny's just talking about everything and anything that comes across their way uh the second thing is jason benetti like yes. i learn more about jason benetti through never not funny then i learn through the broadcasts when he's calling the games with steve stone and obviously that's on purpose because jason benetti's not the main character the chicago white Sox. what's happening on the field is the main character and that should be the focus but i really enjoy the conversations that you've had with jason over the last couple of years and you spoke with him in mid-june mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about Jason Benetti and being the voice of the Chicago White Sox now? And fingers crossed, long term, even though his contract doesn't come up in after the 2024 season. I think every other team probably wants him uh, because he's. I, I think he's terrific. And that's the reason that I initially reached out to him uh, to join us on Never Not Funny. Uh, I did not at that time know that we grew up three miles from each other or uh, certainly different ages, as you love to point out. Uh, but, um, the, uh, I think 
I think he's just, I think he's the best. I mean, you know, you know, we all have the MLB package and you listen to other mm-hmm. games or you listen, you know, when you're in the car, Sirius XM gives you the home feed and you, you're stuck listening. You know, I think Len Casper's great. And I think, uh, but I think Jason is, um, you know, I was a Hawk guy. I wasn't a Hawk basher. I enjoyed his homerism. And I think that uh, Jason has a, enough homerism to make me happy. Uh, he also has enough humor in him to make me happy and doesn't go too much with it. I know some people online disagree with that. They think that he's, that he, it's too much, but again, I don't shut up. So I can't fault the guy for, <laughs> uh, for saying too much. I do. I think he really shined. And again, I know this was a, a different people that disagree with this. When Steve got sick last week and Jason had to do that entire, you know, the you know, what's eight innings out of seven innings on his own, uh, Vince Scully style. It was like, if you didn't know he had a partner that just disappeared and which was weird by the way. And I, Jason should be, uh, somebody should yell at him for like, acknowledge why Steve stones disappeared from the booth for Christ's sake. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought he was amazing. I thought he kept us, I, I, he kept me engaged. And, and I think that's been his magic along with Steve stones of we have not watched good teams these last two years and they, I still turn them on, you know, I'm still, you know, I watched them lose nine, nothing to the Orioles because these two guys are entertaining me mm. and I hope he doesn't walk when his, uh, when his um, contract is up because uh, you know, he's one of the reasons that I tune in when the team blows. So uh, I, I, I think he's great and, and I'm great. I'm grateful that honestly for the friendship really that uh, he and I become friends and uh, you know, you know, text from time to time. And uh, he, he's just, it's also, that's the other thing. He's just a good guy. That's the other mm-hmm. thing. He's just a good person. You got to pop in the booth a couple of years ago for a couple of things, right? How was that? It was, um, it, it was at an angels game and it was one of those weekends where Steve didn't go to the, uh, wasn't on the trip and he had uh, what Bill Walton on Jason had Bill Walton on the first night. Mm-hmm. And I think I forget who we had on the second night. Sure. Uh, who was it? Mike. Sure. Mike. Sure. Right. And then he had Michael Bryan on, on the Sunday game. And I just happened to be there with my son, Oliver. And I said, I'm going to be at the game. And he's like, uh, well, come up and say hello. And then when I got up to say hello, he's like, do you want to come back and do a couple of innings? And, uh, or an in, in, in inning. And then uh, I brought some luck to the booth. And so he had me stick around <laughs> for another inning to see if I could uh, help out. Uh, Jim, it was, uh, look, I've done it. I'm very grateful. I've had a, I've, I've had a, a really decent career. Then I've made, you know, I've done, I did stand up on the tonight show, which is every comedian's dreams as a young comedian, you know, um, and when I'm able to be in the booth talking about my favorite team, like it was only second, honestly, to when I got to throw out the first pitch, which I've had the pleasure of now doing twice. And it, it was, all, it was up there with that. Like I, I, and, and I got emails from people I went to grade school with that I hadn't talked to in, you know, <laughs> you know, according to Josh, 75 years. <laughs> and, um, the, so it was able to, I was able to reconnect with some people going, I saw you in the booth that I did. I didn't know that you were doing like, um, it was a dream. It really was. And it was a lot of fun. I, you know, I was worried about stepping on Michael Bryan's toes because he was the guy that was supposed to be there for the whole game and I'm getting wedged in, but, uh, I was grateful that I did. And then, um, I was supposed to do it in 2020, uh, for the whole game. <laughs> And then, of course, we we all know what happened. So, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that did not happen. And then you know, things have shifted where now it's, you know, uh, I keep saying Craig. I always say Craig Graybeck, but it's not. It's Gordon Beckham uh, <laughs> seems to be the fella uh, doing the the road games now. But it was great. Similar yeah. careers. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> they, I don't, with one guy. No, aren't they kind of interchange? I mean, to, I, I know. <laughs> uh, that said, guys, I will tell you this. When my wife and son and I went to the Angels game this past uh, uh, series when they were here, and I had never met Gordon Beckham, and uh, and my even my wife's like, that guy's a baseball player. Like he, <laughs> first of all, they, you know, they talk about his hair, and rightfully mm-hmm. so. His hair is effing great, and his <laughs> eyes are piercingly beautiful. And it's like, and his jaw is, uh, you know, can cut, uh, you know, an old fashioned soup can open for you. It, <laughs> uh, just, you know, he's, he's just that guy and, and he could not have been nicer. Couldn't yeah. he welcomed me and Danielle and Oliver in and just, you know, they always treat me very, very nice when I go to the booth. Uh, but uh, I never met Gordon and he could, he was just was truly just a, a decent guy and seemed pleasant. More with Jimmy Pardo after a quick word from our sponsors. The biggest acts are visiting Chicago this summer on top of all the baseball games and other great concerts, theater shows too. It could be quite the chore and headache trying to secure tickets to all of these shows and events. Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful. Use game time to purchase your tickets. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, theater near you. They've got killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee helps eliminate stressing over tickets. If you find tickets in the same section or even row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's why Game Time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. Download the Game Time app, create your account, and get $20 off your first purchase using our promo code SOCKSMACHINE. Terms and conditions apply. Again, create an account and use our promo code SOCKSMACHINE for $20 off your first ticket purchase. Game Time. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, Gordon definitely has that Southern charm. And again, you yes. guys can listen to Jason Benetti along with Jimmy on the Never Not funny podcast and what i enjoyed in your last time you spoke with jason which by yes. the way thank you for the shout out uh you're welcome i think episode. i gave both you guys a shout out did yeah, i not you did you did uh you you brought up robin ventura as the worst white Sox manager yeah <laughs> in your life and that was in mid-june and here we are at the end of august and i feel like i want to nominate pedro grafal as one of the worst White Sox managers uh, of our lifetime. And I think we have three strong candidates here. 
Poor Terry Bevington. There is not a flattering picture of <laughs> <little> Terry <laughs> online. There's just not. There's just not. I, I feel bad, but this is the best that I could do, Terry. Uh, someone recently has called Pedro Grafal the Cuban Kalu, uh, that annoying kid show. Uh, uh, I thought yeah. that's a, a little harsh, but I also at the same time thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. And uh, I, I found a Robin Ventura pic that he looks studious and uh, at least showing some emotion, Jim, if you call back on that uh, Sox Fest uh, Yeah, consternation. <laughs> consternation, I think. Yeah, Bevington yeah. always looks confused and or angry. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, I... Uh, this is uh, this is not one of my proudest moments, but uh, the White Sox were playing the Angels back in the late 90s, and I was still a, a drunk. And um, I was... Uh, this is the story as I was told it. Uh, the people that I went to the game with uh, turned to each other and said, what happened to Jimmy? And somebody said, oh, there he is on the dugout yelling at Terry Bevington. <laughs> and I remember going down there to yell at Terry Bevington and tell him he was the worst manager in the history of baseball. And Albert Bell told me to stop it, even though he was like, dude, you're being funny, but stop it. Like I literally was going to yell that for being an obnoxious drunk. And rightfully so like, I don't know because I don't know if, you know, we didn't have DVR yet. Maybe we did, but uh, like, I wouldn't have been surprised if they went and look at this idiot on, on sports center. Like if they would have cut to me, like, I guess that's the type of scene I was making. And, Were you on um, top of the dugout, like on top of it? Or I think I was uh, leaning like over, over it. Yeah. yeah, I think I was leaning over. And um, which, again, I'm only five foot four. So me leaning over means I'm crawling on top of it like a, <laughs> a toddler. Um, so it was uh, that's my thoughts on Terry Bevington. I may have um, the, 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 the Miller lights may have had a lot to do with it, but uh, my, my feelings were there. Uh, as for Robin, it's funny you know, how the uh, on Facebook, the, it'll bring up memories for you. And mm-hmm. I was very memory day one was when they hired Robin was you know, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, uh, worst idea in the world. Uh, one of my favorite third basemen of all third baseman of all time, but he's going to be a horrible manager. And then the next day, new memory came up, you know what? Let's give him a chance. There's no reason why we can't give this guy an opportunity. <laughs> but, uh, and I think I was my first uh, post proved uh, proved right. Uh, he, uh, boy, what a great third baseman, right? <laughs> Yeah, stayed only three years too long. Right? Like, <laughs> like it, you see what, and I guess that's the problem with Griffal. Like, I kind of thought if they don't hire from within, somebody new will come in and clean house. And uh, by the way, Ethan Katz gets a free walk in this whole conversation, which confuses me. Like, I, I, that bullpen's not handled well. Uh, they leave they leave starters in either too long or too short. They don't know what, so like, but why does everybody, well, we got to keep Ethan Katz and then we got to get rid of everybody else. Why? Why is he the guy we keep? Because Giolito was good for him in college, or whatever the hell I, I don't, or high school, whatever. Whenever he pitched for him, uh, walk me through it from Nashville, Jim. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> I think Ethan Katz had the fortune of following Don Cooper, so somebody who sounded really old and like Don Cooper was somebody who hung around five years too long. So yeah. by the time Ethan Katz shows up, like, oh, he's talking in 2020s language, right. he's good enough for now, or like he's you know he's good enough for the foreseeable future, and then you know as you know. We have data on performances and how everybody is doing. Like, you know, perhaps prior should be updated, but the White Sox really don't do that all that often. So there's that. You know, also, you have to be the biggest problem on the White Sox to be 
somebody worth addressing. And the White Sox have so many bigger problems that like, if you're not a problem or not the biggest, like Chris Getz, like when Chris Getz was the rumored candidate, I assumed because Bob Nightingale had reported it, that it was true because Bob Nightingale reports unpopular ideas from Jerry Reinsdorf. And most of the time they happen to be right. Everybody gets mad at Bob because he just happens to be the messenger. But like, no, he's just hearing it directly from the people who are in charge. So like when this was originally happening, I thought, yeah, Getz is probably it. But the sliver, like the, 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 the portion of my brain that held out hope that something could be different was Chris Getz like feeling himself a little bit and saying like, Hey, here's my chance maybe I'll leak myself as the candidates, not realizing that everybody didn't like him either, but just because, <laughs> you know, Williams and Han are in charge and more, you know, more present, more unpopular that they were just getting all the heat. Now that they're gone, everybody is open season now and gets just is like stepping right in the crosshairs being like, yeah, this is my time. Like, bam, like, right. <laughs> unfortunately, no, he is the guy. So, but yeah, just with the way White Sox are, uh, retroactive definitely not proactive uh passive about solving problems it just it really takes critical mass of issues and players calling them out as we saw with keenan middleton to where yeah. like all of a sudden you know now it's worth addressing once we're a, a national embarrassment that's the time to strike so do you think he's one and done then or do you think that gets is going to keep him around and, and at oh, least no. see what he can do a second season oh griffals or uh, get said griffal is staying oh he did yeah. okay yeah. all right so yeah, that was one of the things. And so now we have all September. If they win three games in September, Griffal is staying. Right. So. All right. It's yeah, fascinating be, dynamic. It's going to be a tough job for Jason and Steve to be entertaining uh, when the product is that bad. It, well, the good news for Jason is September, he goes and does a lot of college football and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's and a lot of the uh, national games. So he's uh, he may not be around for most of this uh, <laughs> debacle of September. Uh, that's about lucky, to happen. Uh, but at least we get to watch uh, Robert Jr. go for 40. I mean, that'll be yeah. and, 40, and, and 20 if he goes for 20 stolen bases. So that'll be something to look forward to. That's pretty much all we've got to look forward to on yeah. the field. So when you're in Los Angeles yes. and you're talking ball with, I'm sure, a lot of Dodgers fans out there. And obviously the Dodgers have been good for quite some time now. Do you ever get the question asked or posed to you of why do you still root for the White Sox? Uh, the, the person that asked that the most is me. Um, <laughs> why? Uh, in fact, at the beginning of this year, when they signed Clevenger, I was very vocal about how I thought that was a horrible pickup because of his, you know, the, his history, his off-field uh, behavior. Um, that whether, I, I, and who knows how that landed. Obviously, they did the, you know, the uh, research to see that he should still be on the team anyway. Um that's when I was like, why do I still root for them? Why, why do I do this? And other people are like, yeah, there's the Dodgers are right here. You can go see them. <laughs> or if you want, be, you know, be the Billy Crystal of baseball and go be the famous guy that likes the angels. You know what I mean? Like people were saying that. Um, and to which I had to say famous is a strong phrase, but a uh, strong word, but I get it. Um, <laughs> I think it's just nostalgia. You know what I mean? I just, they're my team. And, you know, yes, you know, what happens if they move though? Then it's one of those things like, then is that time for me to cut bait or are they still my white socks and they're just not in Chicago? I don't, you know, they're never going to move, but you know, mm-hmm. my point. Um, but no, nobody ever asked me that. They, uh, they, I, I think they don't care. <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I think they're too worried about their own lives in this narcissistic show business world that I'm in. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it really just me like, you know, how much, why do I keep doing this? But 
again, you know, we've I've I've watched horrible teams before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah do you dabble with the Dodgers or in terms of like because like Nashville, like I'll root for the Predators if they're not directly you know competing with the Blackhawks or the Titans. You know, I like rooting. I like seeing hometown fans happy and excited about sports. So do you dabble with the Dodgers uh, or the Angels in terms of like looking for good baseball? You know, it's uh, here's the thing. And this will be what I'm about to say will be very unpopular with most of your viewers. Um, my favorite team is the White Sox. And I, and then it's a big drop off. But then it's the Cubs because, hmm. you know, I grew up in a house where my brother loved the Cubs. And you know what? They're a fun team to watch this year, certainly. Um, and and also it's my hometown. So if yeah. if, the, if the white I never understood the anger towards clothing. So if 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 my White Sox can't make the World Series, why wouldn't I want the other team from my hometown to make the World Series? So and then from the Cubs, it goes down to the Dodgers and angels. And, um, but I'm certainly not anywhere near as invested. You know, I, I like, I, I know, you know, only because of fantasy baseball, do I know, you know, the rosters and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I, again, I, I come home like even on a day like today where there's no white Sox game, I'm bummed. Oh, those, you know, there's a great Dodgers Braves game tonight. Yeah. Um, I have a show, so I can't watch it anyway, but, um, you know, it's like, nah, I'm not going to sit down and watch that. It's not the White Sox. I'm not, I'll, I'll, I'll spend time with my family as opposed to going to the other room going, <laughs> guys, the socks are on. Like I'm a 1957 dad watching, you know, baseball, but uh, uh, not so much, Jim, but I, but I love going to a game. If somebody said, Hey, I got Braves Dodgers tickets for Saturday. You want to go? Bro, yeah, I'm in no question about it. Nice. Well, back to some of your comedy and yes. an idea that I have, because if we ever get socks fest again, uh, an idea that I have for you is that one of the sketches that you did for the Conan O'Brien show that I still remember because it's just hilarious. You played, you created this character called Metal Detector Mike yes. from Baywatch. Mm-hmm. And for those that are watching, if you haven't seen the sketch, you can go on YouTube and you can watch the sketch. And you may think, wow, Jimmy, you are on Baywatch. Mm-hmm. But that was not the case. That's you correct. pretended that you were on Baywatch at an autograph convention to see how many people you could fool. Yeah. So one, uh, like how did that sketch come to be? Cause it's just hilarious. And how you are trying your very hardest to convince people that yes, I was actually this minor character. It on was, uh, first of all, thank you for liking it. Uh, I I'm very proud of it. It was really funny and stupid, uh, <laughs> which is the Conan O'Brien program. I mean, the whole thing is funny mm-hmm. and stupid. I mean that in the complimentary, um, I, the more that I worked there, the more they started utilizing me in sketches and, and, and then they, you know, they had me do remotes for them. And, uh, and so they asked me to pitch some things. And I like I pitched one where I go and, and, uh, you know, play for the Harlem, the Harlem Globetrotters, uh, <laughs> had me join the team. And, um, and everybody was on board with that, except for the Staples center. There was something about, uh, insurance that uh, they wouldn't ooh. do, but the, the Globetrotters were all in. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what the bit is other than the fact that I'm five foot four and they're not, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but I pitched that and I pitched a bunch of other stupid ideas, really just kind of dreams that I wanted to have. Like, uh, like I did pitch, you know, Hey, why don't I go, I, I'll, I'll go take batting practice with the Dodgers. Won't that be cool? <laughs> and we'll find the funny there. Like just all these stupid dreams of, of being a, 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 that I had as a kid. So I was, I always thought it was fascinating. You know, my father-in-law is Walter Koenig, the gentleman who played Chekhov on the original Star Trek. And oh. so he goes to those conventions and stuff like that. And we, you know, from time to time, my wife and son and I will go and stop by at one of those to visit him and say hello. And then go to lunch and then I'll come back and meet more uh, people with phony ears on. And um, <laughs> the um, so I was like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if I set up a table and 
was like a guy and, and nobody knows who I am. Won't that be funny if I just, and, and uh, the guy that did it with me, the brilliant Todd Levin, he's like, yeah, but we, let's build, we got to build around it. And so he's like, what if you were from a TV show? And, and then we, we settled on Baywatch. We settled on this metal detector, mic, a character that doesn't happen. We shot opening credits that included me in the Baywatch opening credits. That was amazing. Like, great, how much fun was it to to mock shoot those it intros? Was, uh, well, here's the thing. We shot it in the one day that was like 38 degrees on the beach. It was freezing, <laughs> uh, but there's worse things in the world. So uh, it was fun to answer your question. So, but the actual thing at the at the at the Hollywood, it's it, for those that haven't seen it, it, it's one of those fan conventions where people come to take their picture or get an autograph of somebody that they saw on television. Like I, I was next to uh, Davy Jones, who's since passed away of the monkeys and, uh, and Martin Landau, who's since passed away. So maybe I was bad luck, but, but, uh, <laughs> but I sat there again with the premise being that I'm metal detector Mike from Baywatch. The premise being nobody will know who I am and it'll be funny when nobody knows who I am. Well, that premise uh, 10 minutes in hurt my feelings. And I was like, <laughs> Why, why is nobody stopping to say hello to me? And it's like, the premise is nobody's supposed to know you. And I was just like, still, but nobody's talking to me. And so. Uh, so you're really like selling the character then. It was, because... it, it, I really had to, Jim. I had to get yeah. out there and uh, like, I, I'm showing people my fake resume and I'm doing all these things <laughs> to try to get them to care about this guy that doesn't exist. And when they don't, I took it personally. It was horrible. <laughs> um, but luckily we, 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 you know, we, it cut together very uh, funny. Um, and uh, I, the, the best part, sadly, we had to cut out because we, we shot it. And again, the uh, Davy Jones of the Monkees was next to me. And Davy Jones is basically my height, about, about five foot four. And there was enough noise in the convention hall where even though he was like 10 feet from me, he couldn't really hear me. So I kept on yelling at him like we're in a, like we're in a big fight. <laughs> Davy Jones and I are in a fight and we've been mad at each other for years and people would walk past and I would go, oh, I got to go past that jerk, Davy Jones. Tell him that I, and I would like send messages to Davy Jones. And then he would just like look over at me like, why is this guy mad at me? Because uh, again, <laughs> he doesn't know who that, nobody knows who I am. And I would yell at him. I go, that's right, Jones, keep it up. And I would yell at him. And again, loud enough so he doesn't know what's happening. And it was hysterical. It was all, I, I, I'm not a big fan of this phrase, but it was all, it was all comedy gold. And then we, 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 we show it in front of an audience. What we, what we used to do with Conan was if something was going to be on the show the next night, we would show it to the audience the night before mm -hmm. to get to see where the laughs are or if, do we have to tweak anything. And the Davy Jones stuff kills. And then the <laughs> next day, Davy Jones dies. And oh. we're like, well, okay, let's not put it on today. Let's show it again to see if it still works with people knowing that Davy Jones had passed away. And it did not still work with Davy Jones passing away. <laughs> Um, so we had to cut all of that out, which really honestly was the, 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 meat of the funny. Um, and, uh, but they still had to put together a good piece and, uh, it, it again, just stupid fun. People so thought I, you might've killed Davy Jones. A stress. <laughs> you know what? It could have been that because the whole premise was I'm going to, I'm going to beat him up later. So yes, they could have been, it, it, it's, uh, his death fell on my hands. Davy Jones murdered by former actor who played metal right. detector Mike on Baywatch. <laughs> That's the good news. Nobody would ever find me because the guy didn't exist. <laughs> so it was, you know what else, Josh, very, very quickly. The sad part was then also because I'm a, uh, it's just who I am. When people did pay for my autograph as metal detector Mike and go, oh yeah, oh, I'm a huge Baywatch fan. Oh yeah. And they would pay the money. 
and I would sign it and I would be, I would feel so guilty about it because I'm not from that show. And so then we would cut camera and I would run off and go, look, give me your 20. I mean, here's your 20 bucks back. I can't take your money. We're doing a thing for like, I just felt horribly about it. Uh, one woman cried. She was so embarrassed that she bought into it. Uh, it was uh, on paper. It was a great idea. It, we ended up with a great uh, piece of comedy, but uh, it, it was a long, it was a long, a lot of emotions to get there. <laughs> All right. So I was going to pitch to you. How yes. could we do this at Sox Fest? Because a big part of Sox Fest, if they ever have it again, if they ever want to face their fans ever again, is the autographs. And they yes. bring like former White Sox personalities, managers and players. Like if we were able to do this again, like what era of White Sox team would you want to try to fake as? Yes, I'm former ex White Sox player blank and then try to fool White Sox fans does, into thinking that you were actually a former White Sox. Well, does anybody know the 1987 roster? Nobody does, right? So it's like <laughs> outside of maybe Yvonne Calderon, if he was even on the team in 87, I don't know. So I think it's in that era of the right before the new Comiskey where kind of nobody knew any of the white, you know, you know, uh, who was the first baseman, Greg, something, Greg Walker, Walker. Greg yeah. Walker, like, like that, that guy's the most famous name. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so I think I could pull off an 87. And, uh, as I like to always say, whenever I have a white Sox shirt on and somebody goes, Oh, the white Sox," I go, yeah, I play for the team. I was up for a cup of coffee. And so I think <laughs> I could full, I, I think I could sit there and say I was on the 87 white Sox. And if there's a banner behind me that says, you know, 87 White Sox, Jimmy Pardo, you know, uh, utility infielder, it might not be the long line that uh, Frank Thomas is going to get. <laughs> you know, there's going to be seven people coming and waiting because I'll be honest. I used to go to Sox Fest all the time. Uh, I'm the dummy that would have gotten that line. I would go, hey, look, there's no line there. Let's go meet that guy. <laughs> got, a, got a comment from uh, Tim saying, yeah, but then whoever he's, he's sitting next to would die later. Case in point, Avon Calderon. You know, we we do have a weird thing on Never Not Funny that if we mention somebody obscure, some obscure actor or athlete, they seem to die in the next two weeks. <laughs> so Calderon better be on watch. He better be, you know, going to the doctor in the next two weeks because uh, you shouldn't have brought up his name. That was like uh, Paul F. Tompkins, I think, had a run with that. Alan Thick. I'm trying to remember the other character he did who died that he had oh gary marshall i think yes, was yes, the other yes. one. like in, in, in quick succession just his character is being eliminated yeah and then, uh, uh, so make, yeah making those difficult for him to do uh <laughs> by the way we ran into my buddy mike schmidt and i not the former baseball player uh we ran into uh alan thick at a uh, sandwich shop here in la one day and for some reason i turned to my friend mike as alan thick is right he's literally next to me like you know like it wasn't subway but think of the same sort of thing <laughs> where you're next to him and there's Alan Thick, and I turn to Mike and I go, Mike, say hello to Alan Thick. And Mike goes, AT, what's shaking, baby? <laughs> and Alan Thick looked at us like we were the two biggest idiots in the world, but we now have a story for 20 years. Well, he's Canadian, so he's got to be polite, right? Or he, was he, or did he uh, brush you off? I believe, uh, you know, my brother in law, who has since passed away, Andrew Koenig, was the character Boner on Growing Pains. I don't know if you remember that character. Oh, yeah. You guys might be too young. How can you forget? I mean, just by name alone. Right? Uh, yeah. And so Andrew uh, worked for, uh, for uh, Alan a long time. And uh, I, I don't know if there was still a lot of Canadian in Alan, uh, uh, <laughs> is my polite way of saying that he was not all that nice to us at the sandwich shop. What kind of sandwich does Alan Thick order? I would imagine a club. He probably enjoys the heck of a, he, has, he likes the turkey ham at the, with the bacon on that. I got to assume, Josh, I'm not 100% sure, but he strikes me as a club guy. 
<laughs> right? Maybe a mayo on wheat. Well, you mentioned Subway, and that's also one of your favorite comedy bits is <laughs> your experience at Subway. Do you still venture to Subways? I, I haven't been to Subway in like 10 years, but I still enjoy your Subway bit because it's so oh. true. The people who are way too damn loud ordering their sandwiches. It uh, First of all, the, the, your, your, the two of you, your knowledge of comedy is is wonderful. And uh, <laughs> and and the fact that, you know, Paul F. Tompkins characters is fascinating. It, I just love the fact that you guys love good comedy. My son also loves good comedy, and he hasn't come home yet and said, you know, Dad, who I think is funny? And then name a person that isn't, and me having to go, oh, yeah, he's great, son. <laughs> um, luckily, it's all been really, really great comics. Um, but uh, yeah, the subway, uh, it happened, it actually happened in Kansas City. Um, and I was sitting in the, uh, in my booth eating my sandwich and these two girls came in and the one woman is, one's in the booth and the other one's ordering and they're yelling at each other like one of them's going long for a pass. And um, <laughs> it's like, what kind of sandwich? Like at the top of her lungs, what kind of sandwich do you want? And they're yelling and then she's yelling every ingredient. You want this? You want this? And then she gets down to, hey, do you want lettuce on your sandwich? And I'll clean it up. But she said, uh, uh, no, uh, 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 you know, I hate that leafy crap is what she, but she didn't say crap. Uh, nah, you know, I hate that leafy crap. And um, I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Cause who's that mad at lettuce? Who the hell cares? Just say no. Why you, why the anger? Um, I've never heard of a synonym for lettuce. Um, <laughs> like somebody I, describing in alternate terms as, as, as leafy crap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? Maybe I should compliment her. Maybe instead of being angry at this woman for all these years, I should be going, you know what? She's my hero. Um, it does. Uh, speaking of people, I'm not mad at this. And I know that we're tight on top, but uh, it, it is baseball related. I went to, uh, I was on the road doing stand up, and I had to come back. Uh, the White Sox were playing the angels. So I couldn't go to the Friday or Saturday game. I could only make the, the Sunday matinee. And so I parked my car at LAX so that I could get off the plane, get in my car and drive to the stadium uh, and and catch the hopefully get there in time for the game. So you know I'm in my travel clothes and I uh, I get I get to the I, uh, I I get to my car. I drive to the stadium and I go and I put on my uh, I put on my White Sox shirt of course uh, to represent. And then I put on a pair of shorts that happen to be the exact same color of the blue shirt White Sox shirt. So it kind of looks like I'm wearing a Chrissy Snow Three's Company jumper. Like it looks <laughs> like I'm wearing like a like a leisure suit and my my sneakers happened to be the same exact color blue, and then I had a White Sox hat on that was, of course, the the nineteen the, the mid seventies uh, White Sox that that blue with the 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 box socks across the front. And yeah. So I'm all in blue, and I and I and I say to myself, "Dude, this is a lot of blue. You know, <laughs> you you can't wear this much blue. People are going to talk about you." And then I was like, "Nobody's going to talk about you. Nobody's looking at you at the stadium. Nobody cares about you. You self-involved idiot." So I, I, okay, fine. So I walk to the stadium. I show my ticket. I'm not in the stadium five seconds. And some guy yells out, what's up, blue guy? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, to this day, I want to meet that guy because I'm not mad. I love that guy. That guy's the greatest guy in the world. And his buddies probably high-fived him as I'm running to my seat because I'm embarrassed. Uh, but I did give him a little wave. I gave him a little wave. And uh, that was uh, my time at that Angels game. So are you going to be going to a game? Because the White Sox are home during your Rosemont uh, gig. Will I you don't be going? have time. I've got to go down okay. to Bloomington, Indiana the next day. Um, and I'm not getting in until the day of my show on the 14th there at Rose, uh, in Rosemont. Um, and here's the truth. Had the 
what we were told preseason about the White Sox being a team going to the World Series, uh, had that team been on the field, I probably would have come in a few days earlier or maybe scheduled something different after that gig. Uh, but uh, I've I've seen some games this year. I'm good. <laughs> you, know, you don't want to go. You could go down to the dugout, climb on top of the dugout again and give them peace of your mind. The last thing they need is, hey, isn't that the guy that threw out the first pitch last season? I don't know if we need that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if Benetti needs to look down and go, oh Christ, that's my friend. Uh, I can't I can't have that. <laughs> Plus, I'm not a boozy anymore, so I don't uh it would just be a weird south side rage on my part <laughs> jumping a first base coach, that sort of energy. Oh God. They have netting for that now. <laughs> Thank heavens. Uh I remember when that happened, when those guys jumped the first base coach and people like here in LA, like Josh, you were asking if people ask about it, and they're like, yeah. hey, you're a White Sox fan. What do you think of that? And I go, I think those guys grew up three blocks from where I grew up. They're like, it's just <laughs> embarrassing. Yeah, you grew up in hometown, which I did not know existed until yeah. you, because I, I think whenever I heard hometown, I just assumed it was like marketing for a different, for Chicago itself or a different suburb saying, oh, that's your hometown. Right. You actually realize there's a place called hometown, Illinois. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's what it's basically 87th and, 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 and Cicero, in between Cicero and Pulaski, in between 87th and I think 93rd or something like that, like, basically one mile by one mile. It's like not all that big. Uh, it was a great place to grow up. Uh, very grateful for the friendships I've had there. And, you know, uh, my buddy Paul Partica and I would go to uh, our parents would drive us to opening day for the White Sox. And, you know, we would, uh, my stepbrother and I would ride our bikes from our house and hometown to anywhere. If any White Sox, you know, if, if Bill Naharadney was appearing at a jewel, uh, <laughs> we would ride our bike there to meet Bill Naharadney or, uh, you know, my, my hero, Alan Bannister, we would go see him at a bank signing autographs. So it was a, it, it was a great place to grow up. And, um, uh, it was, you know, uh, it, it kind of had a small town feel, even though it was right next to Chicago. Yeah. Hey, you promised an Alan Bannister reference and you met your quota 50 minutes in. So there I, you, I, go. you know what? I'm not going to lie to you. I've been panicked about it. I felt I had to get it in <laughs> and, and there it was. Oh, that's awesome. Well, again, you can see Jimmy for those in Chicago. He'll be in Rosemont at Zany's Thursday night, September 14th. The show starts at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. You can buy tickets online. Uh, and I'm sure that show is going to be a lot more entertaining than the Chicago White Sox-Minnesota Twins game. Uh, that'll be happening. So that come and see night. us. <laughs> yeah, come come see Jimmy. Again, that's at Zanies in Rosemont. And Jimmy, this has been such a delight. Oh, Jim and I could really use a laugh because everything we've been talking about has just been <laughs> so ridiculous these nine days covering the Chicago White Sox. So we really appreciate you hopping on our show. I was very flattered when you reached out to me. I really, really, uh, truly appreciate it. And if anybody, again, wants to come out and, and see my nonsense at Zanies, please do. I got a, a guy named Fritz Nothnagel is opening for me, and he is also, he lives in Orland Park. Uh, he is a mm-hmm. huge White Sox fan as well. Uh, so we'll be representing the White Sox there as well as uh, doing our, our nonsense. Uh, again, guys, I, I love what you guys do on Twitter. Um, I, I, I think uh, in, in, in different circumstances, if we were in the same town, we would all hang out and, and spend time together I, just by – other things you guys post. I think there's a lot of similar likes and thoughts about the world and country as well as our favorite team. So I think uh, uh, I'm really honored that you guys asked me to be a part of this truly. Well, again, thank you so much, Jimmy. Our pleasure. Thank you. And uh, again, that will do it for this episode of Sox Machine Live. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Sox Machine. Follow Jimmy on Twitter. He's at Jimmy Pardo. And obviously follow 
their podcast show at Never Not Funny as well. And reminder, buy your tickets for Jimmy Ed Zanies and Rosemont Thursday night, September 14th. Again, I think it'll be more entertaining than the White Sox game. But that will do it for this episode of Sox Machine Live. Sox Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're over all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alongside Jim Margulis and Jimmy Pardo, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.